This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Happy Thursday, everybody. Hope you guys are uh, winding the week down in a beautiful way. Again, let's do a quick check-in. Self-care, joy, pleasure, and rest every single day. And I'm adding on top of that, making sure you're connecting with at least three people. It can be a text, FaceTime, phone call, send a picture. I don't care. Just letting people know that you're there and that you're thinking about them. There's some people that are lonely, self-isolating, especially the people that we usually think are doing well. They might not be. And not everyone's feeling comfortable acknowledging it. Some people are just too familiar with it. So check in on people. It's also going to be good for you. we got to keep the socialization high. Got a great show planned. Question of the night, as always, is up on our Loveline IG page. So much going on, especially we're going to talk about quarantine bad habits. I love checking in on these. Uh, checking, I love checking in on our coping mechanisms, new hobbies that have emerged, and also new bad habits. So uh, we're going to be talking about that later in the show. Let's get into some news. A survey reveals that people would spend hundreds to have just one stress-free day. Yo, put me in that pile. According to a survey, one in three Americans would spend over 500 bucks just to have one completely stress-free day. That's how bad we're doing. That people are like, yo, take my money. Just give me a stress-free day. I need a break. I need a break. I'm telling people, put your phone downs too. You know what I mean? Like that's part of getting a stress-free day. Putting your phones down, turning off the television, reading, walking, dancing, cooking, laughing. You know what I mean? Go eat, go, go get a bakery, bake good, and just sit there and chew on that for a while. Uh, three in five said they feel constantly on edge. Three in five, constantly on edge. That's me. I'm feeling very fragile right now. Everything's feeling very overwhelming. Things that are normally not feel so overwhelming. So that's why I keep saying we got to drop the bar down. The expectations have to be far lower. I'm saying as long as I'm doing 60% of what I would normally do, I'm content with that. The expectations can't be the same on what I'm producing, how I'm showing up. I'm doing my best. We all are. So again, three and five, they feel constantly on edge. Saying that also to normalize. It's okay to not feel great right now. Again, some people are thriving. And they're doing amazing things. And other people, not so much. And I'm one of those people as well. I'm not producing a lot. I'm resting. I'm resting and healing. And next year, I'll figure out what I want my goals to be. But this year, I'm just kind of doing bare minimum, you know, seeing my clients. That's beautiful. I love that. Doing my radio and just kind of taking care of myself. Uh, one in five say they feel drained. It's far higher. I'm seeing a lot of people in my office that are like, I'm just constantly exhausted. That's also me. I'm not doing a lot and yet I'm constantly exhausted. And that's not normal for me, but that's part of the time right now. We allow it. Not everything needs a solution. It's really about accepting and allowing. Yeah, we're gonna be anxious right now. That's okay. Be kind around that. We're gonna be a little sad. 
that's okay. Be kind around that. You know, it's not about resolving and removing everything. Not everything can be. A lot of the things we're struggling with right now, there is no solution because it's a natural, healthy response to what's happening. You're supposed to feel that way. And so just allow it. We have to get more familiar just letting emotions be. Not everything needs a fix, right? Also, studies show one in four are considering changing careers. I've been talking a lot about this. This has kind of been a weird theme that I didn't plan throughout the week. People are looking for new careers. They're quitting. Things that aren't making them happy. Like, you know what? Eh, I'm not happy. I'm going to start going after happy or I want to do something that has more meaning and value to me. I'm here for that. Also, U.S. families say their houses are dirtier than they've ever been before. I'm all about that. 77% notice that their homes feel dirtier. Yeah, I get it because we're tired. We have other priorities. We have more people at home. We're home longer. That's the case with me. I'm home all day. Of course, it's crazier and messier here. 59% say they now wash their hands as soon as they walk in the homes. 49 clean their doorknobs, other high-touch surfaces, and about a half jump right in the shower. God bless it. New rules that people have adopted are uh, no eating in front of the television, no staying up past bedtime, and no clothes on the floor. Right? Maybe things that weren't really an issue before. Now people are like, ugh. But I also wanted to kind of just close out the segment telling you this one. This is great. This is here in California. This is a very local thing. But some of the supermarkets here in Southern California, Vons, Pavilions, Albertsons, they're selling COVID at-home tests. I had not heard or seen this yet. They're about 140 bucks. But for those that that's accessible financially, check out. Maybe supermarkets or pharmacies might have one uh, at-home COVID tests. I didn't know that this even existed. Uh, the kits are available at the stores in the pharmacy right? The ones that have a pharmacy customers must first fill out an online questionnaire. I don't know anything more about that, but the fill an online questionnaire once it's filled out and it's approved again, I have no idea what that means. The customer then can go into their store of choice, get the kit that same day. And the saliva kit can be done at home. It takes 48 to 72 hours for the results. So there's a few things you have to consider. It's not as simple as bam, blam, you just walk in, grab it and you do it. But it's worth it, especially people that need constant tests or need it immediate or don't want to really go outside and be around other people. That's maybe an option, you know, and we're going to see more of those kinds of things popping up. But that was really good to know. I wasn't aware that that was a thing right now. So I, I, I am very curious <clears throat> what the online questionnaire is about. Maybe it's about contract, contact tracing, which would be kind of cool. Maybe it's just about assessing symptoms or the limits of the test. I don't know. So if you do know, slide in those DMs and let me know. I'd love to get more information on that. Um, all right, y'all, question of the night. It's up on the Love on IG page in the stories. As always, weigh in on that. And then we'll be doing some DMs. Ah, you listen to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right, and now we're going to go to our first guest, Jessica Morris, actress. How are you? Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. I'm great. Uh, how are you? I'm doing well. Uh, how, how's your mental health doing through all of this? <laughs> you know, um, I, I keep myself pretty calm with a lot of creative outlets. That usually works for me. Um, spending time writing and, uh, you know, working on, on auditions, maybe painting sometimes. I, I don't do that as much as I'd like, but when I can find the time, just any sort of creative outlet is what I need to kind of keep myself happy and peaceful. Have any new forms of coping mechanisms or self-care popped up that you weren't familiar with? I'm having people tell stories where they've always hated cooking and now they're cooking or knitting. Has mm -hmm. anything new popped up for you? I mean, I did the standard, you know, baking fresh bread and growing tomatoes. <laughs> you know, that bread. I'm not very original there. <laughs> <laughs> it's haunting it's good, me, that though. bread. I mean, it is so much better than store-bought, though, I have to admit. Um, also, what else have I done? I, I go on a lot of walks. 
And, you know, I, it's something that's so simple, but I, I didn't do that for many years. And now that I've had a little extra time on my hands, I just go for little walks around the neighborhood and it's, it's so nice. It's, it's so um, kind of, it feels very old fashioned or something in a weird way. But I really enjoy it. It's it's an interesting return to simplicity, right? Because I'm with you. I b- Before, I never enjoyed walks around my neighborhood. Now I love it. I'm eating a lot more fresh fruit. I mean, it's such a game changer. Um, so looking first off, congratulations, because looking at your legacy, it's quite robust. You you definitely have done a lot. So congratulations on that. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And I think what was most entertaining for me is I'm a huge horror fan. And so I was like picking out the parts that you had done. And I was like, great, I'm going to have to check out this and that. And then I see in an interview that you said you don't like horror. It scares you too much. (laughs) I will watch it. And I actually do enjoy it. But I but I get very scared. I mean, I have to watch it with a friend or a boyfriend. You know, I, I just I can't be alone in my house because I'm the kind of person that, you know, if I hear the smallest noise, I I freak out. Uh, you know, I, I just, um, there's too much crazy stuff in the world and on the news. So, um, you know, all that stuff that is terrifying is not just make-believe, and that's what makes me scared sometimes. Uh, so to watch, you know, horrifying things on TV and movies when the world is already kind of can be a scary place, um, I don't prefer it. You know, I, I prefer to watch things Fair. that kind of, Take me into a happy fantasy land. <laughs> Very fair. It's called. You mean you mean that thing called balance? <laughs> yeah, I don't have that right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you also talked a little bit about nature. So when whenever I'm going to interview someone, I poke around their social media and I look for themes, and nature came up as something that's meaningful to you. And let's talk mm-hmm. about that for a second because I know living in a lot of urban environments, as you talked about, even going out for walks, we're not always aware of how you know much access we have to the outside and how it can really be good for our mental health. Do you use those walks to regulate mental health or is that more just rooted in trying to get out of the bubble of being indoors? Both really, but nature does help me out a lot. You know, if I go on a hike, um, you know, somewhere where there's like a waterfall, there's a waterfall in Pasadena. That's great. Um, I love going to the beach and just, you know, hearing the water, you know, crash against the sand and all of that just reminds you um, how small you are in the big scheme of life and, it's like humbling and and grounding so that helps me a lot we'll be right back with jessica morris to talk more about acting the industry and the impacts of covid all right and now we're going to go to our first guest jessica morris actress um so let's talk for a minute about lifetime's pool boy nightmare you put the word nightmare in any title of anything and i'm going to love it um so talk to us (laughs) a little bit about this project Yes. Um, so that just came out recently on Lifetime, and it is about my character, Gail, who is recently divorced, and she moves into a new home. And while she's there, she meets this handsome young pool boy who used to clean the pool before she moved in. And um, she has a little fling with him, but then realizes that was probably a mistake. And so she ends it, but the pool boy um, gets a little obsessed and feels very um, slighted. So he decides to get revenge and starts seducing my uh, character's teenage daughter. And so that causes a big rift between them and uh, she fires him, but then he doesn't take no for an answer and things just become more and more um, dangerous and out of control. 
Amen. That was a fun one. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> amen. <laughs> Not to make light of people whose lives mirror that at times, but um, amen. Anything that's got that danger, and I'm all in. So, how is the industry different right now? Um, I, I you said you're you're writing, you're auditioning. What is that like during COVID? Well, it's been a lot slower for sure. Um, things are slowly picking back up, though, and all auditions now are are taped auditions. Um, you know, which kind of started being a big thing over the past few years, but now I, I haven't had any in-person auditions and I can't foresee that happening for a while, for a very long while. Um, so everything, I have a setup at my apartment, you know, with lights and, and the camera and, and the backdrop and everything. So I do my auditions at home and, um, you know, I'm, I'm writing a couple projects right now that we're shooting in another country, um, coming up. So we were able to, um, you know, get work permits in Taiwan and in other places, it seems like they are um, able to shoot things. But in L.A., it's still just kind of just kind of opening up again. And do you, do you see any echoes of the changes being made now, maybe being perpetuated into the future? Do you think the industry as a whole is just going to evolve or do you think we'll go back to how things were before? I can't imagine that it's going to go back to the way things were before completely because I think that, you know, everything is constantly evolving. And with all these changes that we've gone through, um, I, I can see a lot of casting directors thinking, you know what, this kind of works, which is getting taped. Why would we want people to come in and possibly, uh, you know, give us any sort of, you know, virus or germs, you know, it's being a little distant. I, I think back, I mean, we used to be so overly intimate on set, you know, um, even just like kissing scenes and love scenes. I, I think that's going to all be taken down a little bit um, because you don't want to walk on set and meet another actor for the first time and be sharing saliva and everything. And now it just seems kind of gross. I, I love that you're being willing to say that. Cause that's how I feel. Even just being at restaurants where moving forward, I want my servers always to wear a mask. Like I, I agree with yeah. what you said, I don't want anyone's bacteria or viruses. Why have we not thought of this prior? Yeah, we were so gross before. Yes, we were gross, yes. <laughs> and I think of what you just said. The, you walk on set, you're not familiar with this person, and you have to have very uh, very intimate, close maneuvers and, and scenes with them. And, and now we have, like, a very different perspective on that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm all about it. Um, so I wanted to also just talk quickly. You said side hustle. You know, one of the interviews you were talking about how when people ask you how to get into industry and how to thrive, that you tell them have multiple things going. I personally love that because I think a lot of people have a lot of different interests or passions. Um, so what are what are the different things that you kind of pull together to make your career feel whole and total to you? Um, you know, I've been I've done so many jobs over the years. Um, I'm glad that I don't have to do some of the ones that I don't prefer. Like, I, you know, I waited tables. I worked as a nanny. Um, I've done all kinds of jobs. But that's why I give that piece of advice because I think if you go into it already having another skill, and maybe a job that you that you don't mind doing and that you kind of enjoy, you're going to be happier because those years that I was waiting tables and, and struggling like that, I was kind of miserable. And um, because I thought, you know, no, I don't need a plan B, but it's not really a plan B to have another way to make money. I think if anything, it just kind of makes you a more well-rounded person. And if you can pay your bills comfortably and be happy, then I think that's a better way to go. I mean, now I've kind of evolved into, um, you know, I'm working, I had been working um, quite often, you know, with acting. I also make money as a writer, so that's helping out. And um, in between, if I have a slow period or whatever, I, I have a, one of my best friends has a wholesale gift and toy and jewelry company. 
Um, so I can hop on the computer and help her design her packaging and I work with her. So I have a lot of little things that I do here and there, but I'm constantly busy. That's, I don't know where you get the energy for all that. I mean, again, like when I was looking at your IMDb and I thought, when does this person sleep? So many things were like, I mean, I, I still, yeah, I managed to sleep. I, I'm like an eight to 10 hour person a night. So it's all about that self-care. Yeah. Uh, so lifetime pull boy nightmare. It's out now. Jessica Morris. Thank you so much for being a part of our show. Thanks for having me. Have a beautiful rest of your night coming up next. We're sliding into those DMS. All right, y'all, time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sex world. We want you to explore confidence. Here we go. Hey, Dr. Chris. I don't want to go into too many details, but I'm basically over the pandemic. I've caught my wife cheating on me with a woman. I don't know why you throw that in there. I don't. It doesn't really matter the gender. You know what I mean? They didn't honor. I, I, I don't want to live in a world where it matters. You know what I mean? Where it's like easier, harder, some you know, hetero, homo, toxic masculinity stuff in there. We'll jump over that part. Your wife cheated on you. I'm sorry to hear that. Of all the options for her to deal with whatever it was she was struggling with, that's not a kind option. Uh, my buddies at work think it's actually a good thing. Oh, here, okay. They say it's because it's a woman, not a man. I'm still the only man in her life. Maybe it might be her releasing energy. No, that's crap. That's toxic masculinity where you should be threatened by a penis only and not a vagina or a certain gender. Like, how, what? No, get away from that. Your partner made a really poor decision. And either it's time to talk about, you have to figure out what that's about, but don't, no, don't make meaning out of what the gender choice was in that way. I hate that. Uh, we haven't talked about it. Go talk about it. I've known for a month now. I just don't know how to bring it up. Hey, honey, I need to talk to you about something I found out. It's really hard to talk about. What's that? Well, I'm aware that you um, had sex with someone and we had committed to monogamy. And so I wanted to just really understand what that was about, what drove you to do that and why you felt like you couldn't talk to me about whatever you're struggling with. Is that a sign that we need to work on better communication in our relationship? Is that a sign that this isn't working for you? Is it that you want different kinds of sex? Help me understand what that was about for you. And then I'm gonna share with you how hurtful that was to find out. That's how you approach it. Uh, I've known for a month now and I just don't know how to bring it up, told you. After our sex life is better, we do it more than before, which is great, but I can't help think it's not because of me and I just don't know how to feel. Yeah, you have to process it with her. And that's, I always send people back to, I like, it's all about having a one-to-one -one relationship, which means if you have an issue or concern, go to the person you have an issue or concern with. That's the only person who can really process it and engage you around it. And I want you to practice via this issue, learning how to have a more vulnerable, intimate relationship, which means sharing things that make you anxious. You should try to work to build a kind of relationship where you can talk about these difficulties. Maybe your wife was struggling and unable to approach you because you're not approachable or available. It sounds like your marriage doesn't have a lot of transparency and you need to build that. This might be born out of that. So absolutely talk to her as you're hearing in my languaging and tone in a non-judgmental shaming way, like, hey, this happened, I wanna better understand. And that might leave her into the space to really be honest with you about why that happened. But it's not about whether it was a man or a woman, unless for her it is, but like, I don't want it to be better or worse based on that. It, again, it's very heterocentric and toxic masculinity to say, oh, well, as long as it's not another dude, because that's especially offensive because you're mine. Now we're moving into like possessiveness and some rape culture stuff. Like that's just a mess. Back, back out of that. Realize I struggle to have transparency and honesty and to even bring up something I'm aware of. She probably does as well. And let's use this situation as a way to grow and be better and be stronger right? Because once a cheater, not always a cheater. And I don't know what she was using that as uh, to try to solve. It's a symptom of something. And your job as a good partner is to be available to talk and process that through. And you need that. 
your buddies don't know and they're giving you horrible advice. The first thing they should have said to you is you go to her very lovingly and you talk to her and figure out what that's about and then you sit with that. And if it seems especially difficult, well then yeah, you need some couples therapy where the therapist can help hold a safe space and guide you through that. But um, that's how you handle that. You lovingly talk that out and figure out what that was about, why she chose to do that, why she couldn't talk to you about whatever it was she was struggling with, and what do you need to move forward to feel better and safer? You know, you, you either repair and renew your relationship or you realize this is a sign that's not working and we release lovingly each other and we go in the direction of what makes more sense to us. But this is a beautiful moment, like I said, to practice all the things every relationship should have the capacities for these difficult conversations. I worry when couples can't have hard to have conversations, then they can't have hard to have conversations and that's gonna show up in a multitude of ways. And long-term health in a relationship is our ability to talk about the things that make us anxious to say, make us anxious to hear, make us anxious to talk about and acknowledge, but that has to be done, so do that. Sliding Your DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sex world and we want you to explore it with confidence. All right, question tonight, it's up on our Love and IG page to weigh in on that. And you can check out past episodes of Loveline by going to wearechannelq.com. Coming up, we're gonna be talking about all things quarantine, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Listen to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, let's switch gears and go to our next guest. We got Dr. Jen Wider joining us again to talk about updates on COVID. Dr. Jen, welcome back, how are you? Great to see you, Dr. Chris. Thank you. I'm good. So I want to start off with a very loaded, punchy question. So many people are saying either uh, our president is possibly lying about having been infected or lying about his current state of wellness. Weigh in, please. I'm in the latter camp. I think that he is infected. I think that he is not being truthful with the American public, um, which is a pattern basically for this administration, unfortunately. And you know, the problem is, Dr. Chris, this disease has been politicized from the beginning. Um, I don't think he's being truthful. And I think the fact that he put, you know, Secret Service members at risk to wave to people like a scene out of Evita um, is just absolutely mind blowing to me. Just absolutely crazy. And he should not be back in the White House. He's definitely still contagious. People at the Rose Garden party are infected. And so it would be a large ruse, I would imagine, with a lot of people involved if he weren't indeed infected. So my guess is the latter um, and an irresponsible uh, response. Yeah, it's heartbreaking. I was, I was watching the latest footage of him and I thought, oh, please go lay down. You are not well. Stop. Yeah. And also, you know, just just the, the types of treatment that he's receiving, you know, with the steroids and the plasma convalescent therapy, he's not doing as well as his wife, who was not hospitalized. So... Unfortunately, you know, it seems like what's trickling out, which in, and they're not being a transparent with the American public like they were with every other presidency in the history of this country. Um, he is being treated aggressively. And so I, I really believe he should not be back in the White House. OK, needed to get your opinion on that one. And then let's talk about the fall and uh, what, what we're looking at, you know, what's approaching. And then also your thoughts on the possibility of a vaccine in 2020. Right. So, you know, I think the fall is shaping up to be sort of a, a predictive of what a lot of the experts said, certainly what's coming out of the mouths of a lot of people in the public health uh, field. You know, a lot of people in the medical community thought that we would see a, you know, a fall that saw some uptick in certain areas. Certainly when you saw some colleges reopening, when the schools are reopening, some industries are reopening, we're definitely seeing upticks in areas. But it's not exactly the same as we saw back in March and April, where everything was mandatorily shut down. We're seeing sort of brush fires 
um, and they're being able to be controlled through contact tracing. But I do wish, you know, just looking at this from a public health standpoint, that we could have a little bit more uh, testing, widespread testing in a lot of different areas. In our schools, Chris, you know, my, my kids are back at a hybrid measure, both at a middle school and at an elementary school, and uh, the teachers were not tested before the school year started. And I think that would have alleviated some of the issues that have, uh, you know, predictably arisen since school started. And you've seen some closures in area schools in my area, and certainly we're starting to see that at different boroughs in New York City on this east coast of the country, in addition to other places across the country. So, you know, uh, moving forward, cautiously optimistic, I would say. Okay. And as far as a vaccine in 2020, what are your thoughts on that happening? Uh, you know, a story just came out this morning about how the FDA wants to be very cautious approaching this, that they wouldn't release a vaccine before they knew widespread consumption would be safe. And the, and the White House, unfortunately, is starting to push back on that, wanting the vaccine to be released before November 3rd, the time of the election. I, again, think that's most likely irresponsible. I think it's unlikely we're going to see a vaccine for widespread consumption in this country for the American public before the start of the new year. And even if that, you know, people I've spoken to that are more experts in this area don't think it's going to be released before March 2021. Oh, man. So we got to hang in there well into next year. I think so. And I don't know if the vaccine is going to be the panacea either, Chris. I think we're going to see more ways to control this, more widespread testing, and hopefully some preventative treatment. Um, certainly one of the challenges is going to be compliance with a vaccine. How how much percentage of this country is going to want to be vaccinated? Oh, right I now can't. Oh, that's going to be a whole thing. I mean, I, I'm holding my breath to see the public response to a vaccine. Yeah. Polls are now at 40 percent of people would be willing to get it if it came out in December. So you're looking at 60 percent that would not. Wow. So, I thought it would have been in, in reverse. The, the stats. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Right. And then as far as there are new, there's a new buzzword going around. I love new words. Have you heard the twindemic term yet? Yes. Okay. Demics, yeah. Put on a t-shirt. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, tell us about that. Right. So twindemics really is just this catchphrase, as Chris mentioned, about potentially having moving towards the flu season where we see a lot of widespread flu activity in this country and also COVID-19 at the same time. The worry, of course, would be that the, you know, the, the activity of different types of viruses could overwhelm our hospitals and a lot of public health industries in the United States and England and across different areas in Europe are pushing for the flu vaccine. But Chris, if any country is predictive of what could potentially happen here, it's Australia. Australia had a very mild flu season, by the way, because of social distancing, because of widespread masking, and hopefully the United States will follow suit because of some of these you know, preventative measures we have in place, we will have a mild flu season, fingers crossed, but obviously the catchphrase here, to avoid the twindemic, you wanna go get a flu vaccine. And there's no lack of flu vaccine in this country at this time. It's widespread available for kids and for, for adults. Very important to go get a flu vaccine so you don't, you know, that you can troubleshoot what you have if unfortunately you get infected with one of these viruses. All right, yeah, the flu vaccine, I'm gonna be getting one this week. Uh, Dr. Jen Wider, thank you so much as always. Thanks for having me, Chris. Have a beautiful night. You can catch more of Dr. Jen and Jessica Morris on I'm Listening, our mental health show that airs every Thursday at 5 p.m. on Radio.com. All right, we're back. And uh, now let's talk about quarantine bad habits. Yep, how to undo some of the bad habits we've picked up. Oh, my gosh. I know. It's, it's, a, it's an ongoing battle. The work is never done, right? I'm hoping that some people have had what we call post-traumatic growth coming out of some traumatic things like what's happening right now with some 
strengths and transformation on the positive side, but not necessarily. Sometimes we're coming out of this with some, you know, more negatives and uh, some things we need to kind of get rid of. So I understand everyone's under stress and everyone's trying to be at their best. So I am advocating for us to be a little more caring and compassionate with ourselves. And some of the advice I'm actually kind of really unhappy with and um, because I'm I'm seeing far too much shaming around emotional eating. So I want to remind everyone, it's okay to do emotional eating. It's okay if you're having a rough day or dealing with emotions that are feeling overwhelming to use food to cope, just like you're allowed to use sex to cope. You're allowed to use food or sex to self-soothe, to cope. Um, Worst case scenario, what, you put on some weight? That's okay. You're allowed to put weight on. That is not a mental health issue, putting on weight. You're allowed to put weight on. It's not necessarily a physical issue either. You're allowed to be larger bodied. You're allowed to be fat. That is a personal choice. The issue for me around mental health is stigma. And so I want these authors to stop writing about the fact that we can't use food to cope. It's so shaming and it's actually incorrect. Um, we need to be looking at the work of people that really understand this, the health at every size movement, the non-diet dietitians. The studies are showing the bigger problem is the stigma, the mental health component, not, not the body weight. And again, you, that is up to you. That's a personal choice. My mental health perspective is you don't need to be shamed for eating food. If I've had a rough day, you better believe sometimes the best thing I can do to cope is to sit on my couch, put on a movie and eat some donuts. That's okay. That's not bad or wrong. That is not a sign of something unhealthy. And I'm really getting frustrated and burned out on these articles that are telling us we have to worry about our stress eating. So I want to call that out. That's okay. Now, what I do want to say is not, is, and you've heard, you're hearing me talk more about rest versus working too much. And that is one of the things I want you to think about. Some people are overworking right now when they should be resting and healing. And this overworking is a way to numb out, to not have to feel things. And on one level, that's acceptable. Distraction's okay, but I don't want people to be burning themselves out. I don't want them to be working so hard that they're not able to really check into some of the restful benefit things that can come out of this time. Also, drinking talking way more about that because I am concerned with how much drinking is on the rise. So I want people to focus on moderating their alcohol, why it's toxic for every system in our body. It also doesn't lead to good restful sleep and it can become a maladaptive coping mechanism. It's associated with a raise in domestic violence and general violence and poor behavior choice. And so I want people to ask themselves, you know, what's my relationship to alcohol right now? Alcohol is not inherently always bad. It's okay to have alcohol involved in your life. There's been times in my life where alcohol has been part of that. Alcohol is part of a lot of, you know, social things, but I want us to be very thoughtful about not using it to a point of creating problem or issue or having an ongoing unhealthy relationship that we have to do a lot of work backing up from. So I am, you know, getting a little concerned when I'm seeing people talk about drinking starting early in their day. Now we also want to talk about exercise and movement. I want people to be exercising and moving, finding forms of movement you love. Do it five days a week at least, up to 30 minutes. That's good for us. But It is okay to skip workouts. It is okay to rest. It is okay to have downtime. It is okay to maybe say, you know what? I'm not gonna exercise throughout this entire time. I'm gonna move my body, dance maybe, more walking, but I'm not gonna focus on what I was obsessed with before. I'm gonna back away from feeling as though I have to have a certain body type and participate in gym culture to feel good about myself. And so again, you can skip workouts. It's okay, now doesn't have to be the time that you're obsessed with your workout journey. And again, I'm problematizing articles that are obsessed with that, like that's a mess. I want people to learn good coping mechanisms and good habits, self-care, things that leave us feeling better off, coping mechanisms that also leave us feeling better off. But it doesn't have to mean you can't eat foods that are sweet or junk foods. It doesn't mean you can't be baking. Doesn't mean you have to be, you know, obsessing with your push-up challenge or whatever it is. That might be actually a maladaptive form of coping. What could feel like a good habit could actually be the bad habit. So undoing bad habits might mean moving away from this idea 
that you have to come out of this looking a certain way physically or with a certain kind of diet. Go easy on yourselves. I'm more worried about the smoking. I'm more worried about the drinking and the drug use. Those are the things I'm concerned about. People not resting and healing, people coming out of this overburdened, people coming out of this with COVID because they're not social distancing. So use this time to connect socially and repair those relationships. Use this time to sleep in and nap and focus more on rest and pleasure and not work. Use this time to say, how can I focus my downtime on things that bring me joy and I've passion towards, right? Like that should be the bulk of it. Let me do more journaling. Let me do more reading instead of, let me skip some workouts, some gym workouts, and instead work out my brain by reading and journaling and focusing on that. Maybe I can reconnect and rebuild my spirituality, right? I love that. Uh, that's a missing piece in, in psychology often as well. We focus a lot on the emotional and psychological, but we don't talk about the spiritual. And that is a very, very mentally supportive part of resilience and emotional health. Believing that there's more to the world than just you. Realizing that we're all interconnected with collective consciousness, right? Realizing that we can't d damage animals in the environment and that that does have a direct impact on us and vice versa, right? And really reorient your relationship to money, and consumerism and materialism, which show to decrease our mental health. The obsessive pursuit of money and objects and career advancement actually takes, away, takes us away from mental health because it removes us from what is mentally healthy, which is relationships and passion and joy. And that those things are fleeting. And that after a few months of those enhancements, what they, what they gave us that was a benefit actually level off. And they don't provide that spike of excitement and adrenaline and confidence building, that it's actually a fragile source of self-esteem and self-worth because those things don't last and they can leave us and we can lose them. They're not sustainable, right? And so we don't want to tie our worth and our value and our identity to them because we don't always get to keep them and have them. Those are the things I want people to think about. You know, what is, what is my, um, what are my ethics rooted in? Right? Where's my joy and happiness? What's my confidence tied to? That's the stuff that matters. That's the stuff that's sustainable. So do that kind of assessment, more journaling, more self-reflection. That's what I want the time to be centered in, right? More time with your family, more time with yourself. Question of the night, it's up on our Loveline IG page. So we're gonna be doing that when we come back. So still some time to weigh in on that. And then of course, we'll be closing out with some DMs. So uh, they're always open, slide on in there, you know, answering your questions, dropping some gems. Listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right, time for question of the night. This one was based on something we talked about earlier. According to a study, one in three Americans would spend over 500 bucks just for one stress-free day. That's how hard it is right now. We're trying to, trying to buy, trying to buy some freedom. Three in five say they feel constantly on edge since March. I know that's normal. Let's normalize that. You know, you know we're, we're, we have to manage it. That's what it is. We can't remove that. That's a natural, expected, healthy, necessary response to what's happening for many people. It's not a pathology. That's a normal response, okay? Uh, how much would you spend for a stress-free day and what would you do? I like that. What's the cost? Everyone's got a dream. What's your dream? So how much would you be willing to pay for a stress-free day? And then what would you even do? I love that. I don't know. I'm working within the context of what is and I'm creating those moments within my current days. So I'm not spending any money on that. What I'm doing is turning off my phone, not being accessible for long periods of time and saying, what will bring me joy? And I'm reading, I'm napping, all sorts of things. But that's the question. What would bring me joy? What can I do right now that brings some joy and pleasure? That's part of my self-care. Or do I just want to go rest, you know? E eat my feelings, sleep for a while, whatever you need to do. All right, here we go. First person said, if it's free to sleep, I'll sleep. 
I know, right? As we said in, in uh, the other show this week, uh, sleep, one of the most important things you can do for your physical and mental health above most, most, of other, most of other things, truly. If you've got that covered, it's kind of like the foundation upon which we can do other things. It really builds that resilience. Good for our immune system as well, mental health, whatever. Someone else said as far as question night, which is bum, ba, da, bum, how much would you spend for a stress-free day? And what would you then do with that day? Someone said 10 bucks for parking at the beach. No distractions. I know, I love that. Nature, getting outside, getting those bare feet in the earth. You can do that anywhere. Try to find some earth, take off your shoes, stand in it. Very grounding, very healing. I love that. 10 bucks for parking at the beach. Leave everything behind. Just be present to the ocean. Oh my God, love that. Someone else said, I wouldn't spend that much. Spending all that would stress me out even more. <laughs> I appreciate that. Times are tough financially, employment-wise. A lot of insecurity around that. And so I appreciate what you're saying. We don't necessarily need to spend money to find stress-free time. Even if you're in a very busy household, maybe go in the bathroom, close the door, climb into the tub, play some music. It's a really good way to shift the energy and the atmosphere, right? Go into a different room or go outside, take a drive, play your music, go for a walk with your music, maybe make a phone call to a friend that makes you laugh. Um, binge watch some shows. So many different ways to kind of manage this. Someone else said, I got to deal with the stress because I have no extra money to spend on a stress-free day. I know, I know, but there's still things you can do. Kind of gave you a few ideas there. I know it's difficult. Money, Money's a really big trigger for people right now because not everyone's aware of when they're going to be able to find a job and what's coming next, right? And we're kind of at the mercy of whatever resources we currently have available, which is why we're looking to the administration to help us out. And they're failing us powerfully. That's why please vote. I haven't said this all week, but if you're not registered to vote, register to vote and vote immediately. It's time. You got to do it now. Get Trump out of office. That is part of why we're doing as badly as we are. And you want your mental and physical health and your financial health to improve. We got to get him out. Question of the night. One in three Americans would spend over 500 bucks just for one stress-free day. Three and five, constantly on edge since March, right? Long standing. Got a lot more to come. This isn't winding down yet. It's actually, we might be a lot of places, like I said, Canada, closing up again, Madrid. How much would you spend for a stress-free day and what would you do? Someone said luxury hotel with a beach view, an amazing room service, and the best nap ever. It's kind of what I'd want. I'd want to be on the beach, right? Sleep, wake up to the sound of the ocean, the smell of the ocean, right? Go sit out on it, walk and spend time on it during the day, at night. Oh, fall asleep again, smelling and hearing the ocean. Oh, beautiful, beautiful stuff. For those that have access to the ocean, right? Not everyone does. Some people are landlocked, but nature still exists. We got to find it. Just sitting in a small little area of the lawn, closing our eyes, letting our bare feet and our hands touch the earth, laying there, maybe on a blanket or on the direct earth. Stunning. Play some music. Heaven. All right, someone else said I would drop 1,000 bucks for a vacation right now or on an island. Me and my boo, no electronics. See, there it is. Get rid of the electronics. Now I got to find 1,000 bucks. Ah, there that is. But as I said earlier, you know, airlines are giving really cheap rates. So maybe get on that. Maybe for, you know, obviously not for a trip right now, for down the road, book that flight. Maybe book a hotel room. Get those deals now. It'll serve you down the road. Just push it way down the road. As I was saying earlier, Broadway itself isn't even opening till March of 2021 for ticket holders. I'm not sure what else is going to come on, go on with other industries, time clocks, but that's a real deal, you know? Anyway, thanks to those that participated. Um, the new question of the night is up, so weigh in on that. Coming up next, we are going to be sliding into those DMs. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com, and we'll be back in two minutes. Got that two minute promise. All right, time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Slime the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sex world. 
we want you to explore it with confidence. Here we go. Hey, Dr. Chris, do you have any tips for traveling during the pandemic? I've read every article. Everyone basically says, don't do it. <laughs> but my girlfriend's in Florida. Oh, they're not doing so well, y'all. Some places literally won't let you wear a mask in. I would not be going to Florida. It's a hot spot. I'm sorry. Uh, I know, I know. <laughs> Gross, LOL. And I'm in San Francisco. All right, so you already knew where I was going with that. You continue to ask, we haven't seen each other in the last seven months, except for twice when she came out to see me. And even then, I made her take a test when she landed. Good, especially coming from Florida. Yes, that is a healthy boundary. That's self-care. Hey, I love you, but I'm not sure about safety. I need you to get tested. Why? Because I put myself around others and I have to look out for others that I might transmit it to. So I'm glad you did that. That's an act of love and care for everyone. Please continue to do that. Um... I'm normally not this paranoid. That is not being paranoid. That's being healthy. Please don't use words like paranoid. Don't shame yourself for being smart. We are in a pandemic. You should be asking people that are coming in contact with you to get tested. Absolutely. That is not paranoia. But I live with my grandparents who are pushing 80. Of course. Uh, she, If she's a healthy individual, she understands and respects that. And if she doesn't, we have a bigger conversation to have. I want to see her, but I want to be safe and not infect my grandparents. Um, I don't think you should go to Florida. That's my answer. It's not safe. It's not safe, period. It's also not safe because of who you live with. Have you asked them what they think? I don't know. You could, the only way I'd say it's okay is if you're willing to, um, uh, what do you call, self-isolate away from them when you get home upon getting tested and waiting for results and give yourself the time away. That's the only way you'd have my support. And that's just in protecting them. That doesn't protect you. You still could go there and become infected. So do you have a contingency plan? If you come back and test positive, where are you going to live? And when you come back and self-isolate, when you take your test before you go anywhere near the home or your parents, your grandparents, where are you staying? Because you can't just go in their home. You're going to quarantine in the bedroom. It's a mess. You can't do that. You live with people. You have responsibility for them. You have to look out for them. I'm sorry. I wouldn't be going to Florida. Um, maybe have her test and then isolate and then come out here. But for you to go there and then isolate and test, I hope you have room for that. I don't know. It's a mess. Look, I'm in a long-distance relationship, too. I empathize. And I'm in a relationship with someone in a different country that I'm not legally allowed to enter because our disgusting trash can of a president isn't handling things. So I feel your pain. And I'm as frustrated and as exhausted seeing people not taking this seriously, which impacts people like me and you that want to see our loved ones. But they have to go to parties and get drunk and whatever their friends. It's it, Come on, guys. Be better than that. Collective responsibility and, and, and collective care. Uh, so I feel your pain, but it's not smart. I'm sorry. You have to find other ways to stay close and connected. Just right now, it can't be in the physical sense in the way that we're familiar with. I, again, long-distance relationship. I'm trying every other thing we have access to to stay close and connected. For me, it's working. It's not ideal, but lots of FaceTiming. We're sending gifts. We're writing notes. We're sharing pictures. We're doing the best we can. I legally can't go in, but if I was dating someone in Florida, I would not be flying to Florida, especially if I was sharing a living situation with 80-year-old grandparents. I wouldn't. And if I was them, I would tell I would I would tell you you can't come back after you've been there, you know, unless you're gonna quarantine and take a test and follow the full protocol. And if you come back positive, God bless, where are you gonna go? Because you can't be staying there. I think it's too high of a risk. I'm sorry to have to tell you that, but as a public health professional, I have to look out. So yeah, that's kind of that. The best thing I can come up with is if she quarantines and flies out here, it's we're to San Francisco. Not that those numbers are low. I don't know. It's complicated. I don't have advice. The advice is don't do it. I'm sorry. Slime the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sex of world and we want you to explore with confidence. Love line, past episodes, podcasted at wearechannelq.com and my show I'm listening live where I interview experts and celebrities about the intersections of their work and their art and COVID and mental health. It's great stuff. That's uh, on all the radio.com handles, Twitter, 
YouTube and Facebook. And that's Thursday nights at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, live streaming. And Loveline will be back on Monday at 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern. You guys have an awesome weekend. Please look out for each other. Make good decisions and know that everything you do right now impacts those around you. And take that into consideration. It's not just you against yourself. Everything you do is possibly setting other people up for a risk. And please work less this weekend. Drop the bar to 60%. That's good enough. Focus on self-care, joy and pleasure, and just resting and healing. You know, sleep a lot. Seriously, get more familiar doing nothing because that's what we need. We're not trying to be hyper-productive right now. That's just beyond our mental health. All right, y'all, as always, thanks for hanging out. And y'all have a beautiful, beautiful night.